I'm Joe Leo with your Play-by-Play Network Sports Minute. This Yankee offseason reminds me of the 2013 offseason. Not just because of a Yankee star being a free agent, but because of how the season's ended and what it meant for the offseason. The 2013 Yankees had a 51-44 first half. Not like the historic start of the 22 team, but still a solid first half showing. But in the second half, that 13 team went 34-33. and In case you forgot, the Yankees in 2022 went 35-35, and massively underwhelming, that led to an embarrassing ending by getting swept out of the ALCS by the Houston Astros. Nine years ago, that second half forced the Yankees to miss the playoffs entirely, which as a Yankee fan is the only thing more embarrassing than getting swept out of the postseason by a hated rival. When it came to the offseason, Robinson Cano left for $240 million and Seattle. This offseason, Aaron Judge could be leaving for $300 plus million in the West Coast as well. But what that could lead to for the Yankees is spending just to spend to quote-unquote replace Aaron Judge leaving. In 2013, that offseason, it was a tandem of disastrous signings of Jacoby Ellsbury and Carlos Beltran for a combined $193 million. I don't want to see the 2022 Yankees do the exact same thing. I would like for Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman to learn from their mistakes from nine years ago and change the narrative around the Yankees. Because if I have to deal with the Yankees having another dark ages of baseball, it might drive me so crazy that I'll continue to count on the New York Jets as the main source of my sports happiness. For the Play-By-Play Network, I'm Joe Leo. You're listening to the Grind Hours Podcast. At the wall! See ya! See ya! Hello and welcome to the Grind Hours Podcast, recording this Friday, November 25th, the day after Thanksgiving, which is aka Black Friday, which in a couple of years, we'll have a football game to talk about, and we'll have fantasy to talk about, and what better person to bring on as the fantasy playoffs are just, they're like two or three weeks away, for depending on what league you're in. I have my old radio partner from WBCR, Austin Santiago. Austin, it has been a while. So how you been? How was your Thanksgiving? And, you know, what have you been up to? It really has been a while, Joe. It's always fun to come back onto the pod. Uh, it's been a minute this year. It's been a hectic fantasy season. Week 12, to be honest, my favorite week of the fantasy year. One of my uh, – one little thing about me is that one of my favorite things in the world is having dudes play on Thanksgiving. I love when my fantasy team is active on Thanksgiving. It makes everything great. So yesterday was a lot of fun. Uh, you can tell it's Thanksgiving weekend because I am at my parents' house, not in my apartment here in Brooklyn. <laughs> this is clearly not my office. But it, yesterday was a lot of fun, a lot to break down. Um, s- some good fantasy yesterday. Felt like National Tight Ends Day Part 2 yesterday, though. Uh, I mean, with Schultz, yeah. But I had Diggs and I had Jefferson in one of my leagues. The other league um, was dormant. In my keeper league, I had... Uh, or my dynasty league, I had Swift and Singlet and Singletary and um, somebody else. I think um, I can't remember. I can't remember. 
for the life of me, I can't remember. Oh, well, I, yesterday Thielen. I was yo Thiel, Yesterday I was riding with um, J- Jamal Williams, and I also had Stefan Diggs going. Uh, I had Nick Folk, who got me 15 points. So big shout out to Nick Folk. Oh my we love god, when, we love when kickers kick indoors. Ah, <laughs> uh, apparently you know Bass is the best kicker that's ever touched Detroit. <laughs> I mean, hey, honestly, I, I I had money on the Bills, but I was just happy to see a good game and and good for the Lions for playing meaning, meaningful football on Thanksgiving again. Good for them. I mean, Buffalo is the first team to have two wins in Detroit since the Lions in 2016, and the Lions have played there every single week. <laughs> they first team to have back to back wins in Detroit since the Lions in 2016. Oh, that's so funny. That's great. I also had money on the Bills. I went 2-1 and one in my Thanksgiving Day picks. My Giants lock of the week had a backdoor cover, so that was fantastic to watch in real time. But to get to everything at hand, and the reason why I brought you on, I call you Mr. Roto for a reason. So, who is your late-season waiver wire pickup? Because waiver wires are shutting down here pretty soon waiver wires are shutting down soon and much to my surprise you wouldn't think to hear this this late in the season but there's actually a handful of running backs that i think can propel your team to the next level for the playoff push and let's start with an obvious one it's jeff wilson jeff wilson's a guy who a lot of people ended up picking up off of waivers later in the season uh a lot of people dropped him because of the uh, christian mccaffrey trade to san francisco the 49ers did right by him and shipped him to Miami, where he immediately took over lead back roles. He belongs in lineups, all shapes and sizes, just a dynamic playmaker on a fire offense. I mean, anytime the Dolphins are playing or Detroit is playing, you want pieces of those games because they're guaranteed high scoring affairs, just absolute carnival games. Now, to another running back who hasn't proven himself as much as Jeff Wilson has this year, it's Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco. The rookie hasn't really established a role in the receiving game yet. We hope that changes, but he is certainly the lead back in Kansas City, especially with CEH now dealing with a high ankle sprain who's been placed on IR. So it's Pacheco's backfield to lose. Jared McKinnon still has some receiving upside, but Pacheco should be getting the bulk of the carries. There is more risk with him. He is a rookie after all, and he just played the Chargers, and not every team is as bad as the Chargers' run defense. But he does have a very good playoff schedule, so definitely worth a flyer. And finally, uh, another running back late pickup, Rashad White out of Tampa Bay. Report as of yesterday is that Leonard Fournette is dealing with a hit pointer and is very sore. He's also just been ineffective this year overall. So Rashad White seems to have taken over lead back duties for now. Tampa Bay, a team that's uh, surging, actually. Uh, I, you didn't put me on for gambling advice, but I believe no. they're like plus 1,200 to win the Super Bowl. I would sprinkle that. I mean, they're surging at the right time, uh. and, you know, you never know. And, but in terms of fantasy, Rashad White, uh, definitely worth a flyer. Might have just taken that lead back role uh, in Tampa Bay. And even if he hasn't, they certainly trust him enough to warrant flex appeal. So there's three running backs that I think could really take your team to the next level for the playoff push. I have one guy that I think just because of the team he plays for, he's been massively, I mean, he hasn't performed at all. And I'm looking at it right now. He's 
only rostered in 33.2% of leagues, and that is Elijah Moore. Now, Mike White is back. He is the starting quarterback for now against. So definitely pick him up this week. Definitely pick him up this week. When Mike White was the main quarterback for the Jets last year, that's when Elijah Moore took off. He is Mike White's safety blanket. And they will, Mike White, or uh, Elijah Moore has not gotten the ball at all this year with Wilson at, at quarterback. He has complained. He's been benched for complaining about Zach Wilson being the quarterback. I expect a huge game from him against a banged up Chicago secondary. They also have to play Buffalo again. Buffalo secondary is terrible. Um, They're banged up. Minnesota is kind of banged up. They're okay. They're not great. They have Detroit who can't stop anybody. They have Jacksonville who's Again, not the best. And Miami's secondary is getting healthier, but that's still not great either. So there are tremendous opportunities for him to get some looks. And if Mike White's going to be the quarterback from here on out, Elijah Moore is the number one target for Mike White. So for a Jets team that needs an offensive juggernaut, Elijah Moore could be that guy. He could be. It's contingent on uh, who the quarterback is. Kind of similar to, well, not exactly alike, but, you know, we talk about wide receivers and how contingent their production is on who's playing quarterback. Look at a guy like Paris Campbell uh, right. over in Indianapolis who, whenever Matt Ryan's under center, gets nine targets a game, averages 18 fantasy points. You know, <laughs> and, and there's talent there. So I guess we have to wait and see. Do you think Zach Wilson will be – under center again for the Jets this season. I personally do. Um, but I mean, I, unless there is an injury, I don't. I real unless there is an injury, I think that that ship has sailed for this year. That doesn't mean yeah. they're out on him completely. That doesn't mean he's a bust. But he is dead last in pro football focus quarterback rating dead last if they had anybody else in the league they would have at least had two more wins yeah i mean it's what's more concerning is you know with the report that came out the, the yips right like it's in in the spring that he was struggling to make simple throws um i think he's just has some imposter syndrome and hopefully he, he gets the over yips last year he he couldn't throw a screen pass last year. He could scramble and go off schedule and throw a 40-yard bomb, but he couldn't throw a simple slant route or a, or a screen pass. So yeah. that wasn't that's not shocking to me. I watched every, I've watched every single snap of his career. He has potential, but with given this roster right now and the chance to win right now, Mike White Gives us the best chance to win. Mike White should have started the first four games of the year over Joe Flacco, which little note on Joe Flacco. He still leads the Jets in passing touchdowns, even though he hasn't played in a month and a half. So that should tell you all you need to know about Zach Wilson. So that's number one for me. Number two, kind of an interesting tight end position pick. He is actually ranked eight right now on ESPN only rostered in 36.3% of the league. 
of, of leagues, and that's Jawan Johnson, the tight end for the Saints. I think with you know Pitts going down, the inconsistency of George Kittle. Trust me, I'm a George Kittle owner this year. The boomer bust of Hawkinson. Um, am I forgetting anybody else uh, other than Kelsey, which I was dead wrong about Kelsey. Kelsey's the top of the mountain and everybody else is just kind of there. You don't really know who to go to. And Jawan Johnson, for a top 10 guy to be only rostered in a third of the leagues, just about just over a third of the leagues. I think that's tremendous value for a playoff run. Either quarterback uh, Winston or Dalton really, really likes him as a target. He gets a lot of red zone targets too, which is tremendous. So um, go go take a flyer if you're if you're a Kyle Pitts owner. You don't really know what to do at your tight end position. Might as well. I mean, the the tight end is a rotating door every single yeah. week, unless you have Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews. And the gap between Kelsey and Andrews is wide enough as is. So imagine the gap from number two, Mark Andrews, to every other tight end. Right. Um, it, it's just a shot in the dark. Um, the only tight end that, you know, is not expendable is Travis Kelsey. So. <laughs> and one more, it's just kind of a shot in the dark. It's a 50-50 shot on ESPN. Uh, he's rostered in 45.8% of the league. I am actually really high on this guy, but again, it's a shot in the dark. It's a dark horse pick. It's, uh, it's a guy who's just a solid fantasy player year in and year out. That's Kenyon Drake for the Baltimore Ravens. That running back room has been in flux over the past couple of years. He's kind of been the passing down guy, and he gets a lot of receptions. So give me Kenyon Drake just as a dark horse pick. Again, I'm really high on him. I love him, and I really like what Baltimore is building. If you listen to the Monday uh, Monday podcast, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl this year. So... Hmm. I think Kenyon Drake is going to be a big part of that. So those it's are my so three. difficult. It's so difficult for me to own Ravens in. If to own a Raven that isn't Lamar Jackson or Mark Andrews, it's just such a revolving door offense. Uh, trust me, because I had Gus Edwards on my roster for a long time, and I just could not get it right with him. I benched him. He went off. I played him. He did not so well. And now he's back from injury. Like, do I pick him up again? You know, you just never know. Uh, it's just a three-headed monster. And J.K. Dobbins should be coming back uh, sooner than later. So that's another mouth to feed. And, um, you know, that being said, guys like DuVernay and Demarcus Robinson uh, are quiet, quiet, steady floor guys for fantasy. Yeah. Because he has to throw somebody. So. Well, I think that's the same with, with Drake. He's a ste- he's he, You're not going to get, like, 25 points a week from him but you can get a solid 10 out of him and you know that you're good for 10 points and that could shift that could shift a week yeah next up on the docket is a stay away guy a guy who's been just rock steady the entire year that you're just like "Mm, i i don't i like trending away from him this is a really tough question uh you you sent me this rundown last night and i really was racking my brain trying to think like, who do I, who do I want to stay away from? Who, who would I want to avoid someone that's been solid all year? And honestly, it's the best answer that I could think of the most honest answer. And it's hard for me to even admit this because he's been so good to me this year. He was in my lineup yesterday. It's Jamal Williams. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's it's tough to say. Jamal Williams leads the league in rushing touchdowns. I do know that Jamal Williams has more rushing touchdowns than the Denver Broncos. So, <laughs> and it, it's, it's crazy to think, but I'm watching yesterday, and I'm satisfied with what he did for me yesterday, right? He got a touchdown early. He, he had about 80 yards from scrimmage. But he's not the most effective back. He made, he, if you're lucky, he, his best run yesterday was for 24 yards. And that saved his day yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. If he didn't have that 24-yard run, you're looking at a very mediocre day. DeAndre Swift is healthy and, you know, had a touchdown taken away from him by the by skin of his knee. Yeah. And it's – they're trying to implement him back into the offense. DeAndre Swift is clearly the more talented back, just lacks volume. And also, Justin Jackson saw a lot of snaps yesterday. He wasn't very effective. He's clearly the weakest back in that room. But he saw a lot of snaps. So we're looking at a three-headed monster at running back. And, yes, you can throw Jamal Williams into your lineup, into your flex, or in my case, because of injuries, my RB2 spot, and assume and hope that he's going to get that goal line work. But come playoff time, I don't want to be reliant and hope that the Lions get into the five-yard line and hand it to Jamal Williams when they could just as easily draw it up, play up for Swift, who will – get into the end zone much easier than Jamal Williams. And that's the thing I've noticed too. Uh, against the Giants, Jamal Williams scored three touchdowns and then they gave DeAndre Swift a sympathy touchdown towards the end. Yep. DeAndre Swift, untouched. And yesterday, if his knee doesn't hit the ground, just a stellar run into the end zone. So unfortunately, the one thing that trumps talent in fantasy football is volume. And I'm afraid that Jamal Williams is going to lose that volume over the next couple of weeks to the more talented back in DeAndre Swift. Uh, and I don't want to rely on him come to playoffs. This, this hurts me because this is the reason why I thought of this segment. And I'm just going to have to close my eyes because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start him. But I don't want to. And you might think I'm crazy for this. But my guy is Nick Chubb. Wow. Who has been, he has been the backbone for a lot of people throughout the years and a lot of people this year. He, for a large portion of the year, he was like the third best running back in fantasy. There was a, at a point where he was the best running back in fantasy. So my reasoning, however, is because this week he plays Tampa. Nobody can run on Tampa. Next week, Deshaun Watson comes back. So Watson is going to want to prove to everyone that he can still play and they're going to throw the ball. And then their season's pretty much done. They're three and seven. They stink. They're not good. Nick Chubb is like the, uh, you know, that meme where it's the Lamborghini next to the trailer park. Sure. That's who Nick Chubb is in the Cleveland Browns offense. He is arguably the best running back in the league when he is right. Because nobody, nobody can bring him down. He is Derrick Henry-esque. But for the, like you just said, volume, it's going to diminish because of Deshaun Watson's return to the lineup. And RIP to both of our mentions because we just mentioned Deshaun Watson. But I think that's a real thing. I think Stefanski is going to look at that, look at him, and Watson's going to demand 
to throw the football because again, their season's done. And when your season's done more often than not, you just don't run the football like you used to earlier in the year. So again, I hate to do it. I'm going to lean on him. I'm just going to close my eyes and keep him in my lineup every week and hope for the best. But I would steer away from Nick Chubb, who is, I mean, he's a lot of people's number one running back. And that's that could be scary to a lot of people, but I just, I don't like the way that his season is trending. I've never, I've never drafted Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, my, I've never, I've never been a Nick Chubb owner. Uh, I think I've always been afraid to because uh, I know Kareem Hunt is there. So I, I mean, up until this year, I didn't like the idea of having, you know, a guy that's like in a split backfield. But I mean, this year he's definitely separated himself uh, from Kareem Hunt and made it look very convincing. But um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting take. I mean, the, I mean, I'm very curious to see what happens. I'll certainly be watching the Browns game next week. I think everyone will for a number of reasons. Um, as morbid as it is, I know we're all curious to see what this offense looks like with Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, a lot of people are going to hate watch it and just see how many people boo him in Houston. But that's, you know, that goes beyond the football field. And we're going to transition here a little bit to to the NBA. I've been watching a little bit more NBA um, with the Nets season just spiraling out of control i mean it is it's halfway down the toilet bowl at this point so austin i know you're a nick fan and this you told me this last night and this isn't good for the the place that i work at considering we carry the team but give me your i guess that i i just want to say hot take but biggest nba surprise well, I, you know, it's it still feels pretty early in the season. Um, I think everyone is, is surprised by the Lakers and all that drama and how poorly poorly they're playing. But uh, you and I were speaking last night, and, and in terms of my hot take, uh, I am a Nick fan. I am a Nick fan who is not interested in the Knicks because I don't think they deserve my attention. Quite frankly, I don't think they deserve the attention of any fan at the moment. Um, and I can see your face. You're, you can't believe what I'm saying. John and Ryan, d- just disregard what Austin, my bosses, because that, I, look, I, as a Net fan, I love when the, we just pound the Knicks. I mean, KD has not lost to the Knicks since like 2012. He just doesn't do it. He booed the Knicks fans that were in Barclays Center when he just went off against the Knicks a couple of weeks ago. So, as a net fan, I love the pain of Nick fans. But as an ESPN employee, I want them to do well. It's an interesting dichotomy that I have to juggle here. But <laughs> it's um, I I, under, I understand that all too well. Um, it's here's the thing. Think of the last two years for the New York Knicks. I mean, last season. Do you remember how hot we were last season when the season began? I mean, we were. Do I remember? We were marching in the side streets. Side talk, side talk, NYC. It's been overtime. Are you kidding me? Bing bong. I still have my Bing bong hoodie. You know, and then the <laughs> and then because and why was that? Because the season before that, we won our first playoff game uh, since I was like in middle school or something ridiculous. And 
you know, the Knicks were, were, were fighting again. And we come into this season, and it's not there. There isn't any side talk outside of the Garden. There isn't any riots in the streets after, our, after you know, a, a good win against the team. We are 9-9. Nine and nine. We <laughs> win a game. We lose a game. We lose two. We win two. We are inconsistent. We came into we had two years of genuine interest and fight for this franchise that we have not seen in so long, and we did nothing in the offseason. We got Jalen Brunson, who's a very talented guard. I'm happy he's on the team. But that's all we did. And we're seeing flashes of our talent, young talent. Obi Toppin is struggling right now. We let up 145 points to the Thunder a couple of days ago. I there's just does this team really warrant the attention that they've garnered over the last two years? They just have dropped the ball so bad. They they took all the momentum of the last two years and just dropped it. And I feel like we're right back to square one with this team. And something big needs to happen. Oh, and we could have, you know, what was it? We could have gotten Donovan Mitchell and we balked. Were, were you a... I was just going to ask you that. Were you a guy that was in the Mitchell corner? We Yes, absolutely. Because I've been saying for years that the Knicks need a superstar. Julius Randle is not a superstar. And and Jalen Brunson's a great player, but he's not a superstar. Donovan, I don't know look if what Donovan, Donovan Mitchell is, is a superstar. He's a star. Look at what he's doing in Cleveland right now. Look at what he's doing in Cleveland right now. He's, he, a, he, star. he's, a, he's a hometown guy. He would have he, like, he yeah, been right at home. Thing. He would have been right at home in New York, and I get it. You know, sometimes you don't want to sell the farm to get one one guy. But if you want to make a change to a franchise and ride that momentum, you need to take that risk. You need to open the next chapter of the Knicks franchise because roster turnover usually leads to breakouts. We say the same thing in fantasy football, right? But it's the same idea. You can't have a breakout. You can't have some serious production sometimes unless you shake up the roster. This roster is young and there is potential here. But this is New York. This is the Mecca. Knicks fans have been in the dark for too long. It's time to start winning now. You have a guy who is a star from New York who wants to play here and you don't make a move. And now we're 9-9 and watching Jalen Brunson do his best. Obi Toppin struggling to shoot. Guys like Jericho Sims doing their best letting up 145 points to the Thunder. Why should I watch you? Because Mr. Dolan, you have a point why should guard. I watch this team? Because you have a point guard. Because Julius Randle is actually playing consistently again. Because as much as I want to rag on R.J. Barrett, I think he's kind of finding it again. Um, because you have two guys coming off the bench that I would die for as a Net fan. In quickly and uh why am i i always forget the other dude's name he's got like a flat top now oh he's hold on let me do a little bit quick are you gonna google nick's player flat top no (laughs) because i will get him i would get him um, uh iman shumpert i'm just gonna go to their roster throwback iman shumpert Quentin Grimes. Why can I never forget Grimes? But I love Grimes and I love Quickly. Those are two guys I would kill for. Trevor Keels hasn't even played a minute yet, I don't think. And he's a dude. That dude can go. 
Miles McBride is a pretty good player. So, yeah, he's got one rebound. Trevor Keels. It's he's got five minutes total played. I can't believe Trevor Keels can't. I mean, it's Tom Thibodeau that we're talking about here, playing a rookie. So should kind of back off a little bit. But Trevor Keels can go. He is a dude. So you have. I think there's a little, there is not as much excitement, you're right, as the past couple of years. But this Nick team, I don't think is trending down. However, I don't really think they're trending up no, either. No, it's worse. It's worse than trending down. It's I don't worse. Think so. We're in purgatory. It's, it's, it's the one thing, I'd rather be trending down than where we are right now. Because right now at this rate we're going to be a seven seed and get and get knocked out in the first round. Like this is this is our this is our season. I'm telling you how the next season is going to end right here, <laughs> right now. You we know this. We know the NBA. There's top teams and there's development teams that are basically just spare parts for superstars. They develop teams. That was like the magic for a long time. Guys like Oladipo were there and 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 Vooch were there. You you just. You develop really good players and you trade them to good teams. They're basically G League teams with a Disney patch, <laughs> and and like that's I'm like I'd rather be there than where the Knicks are currently of just a middle of the pack team with where, a two percent incline. They're with, like on a yeah, treadmill with a two percent incline. They're not yeah trudging up the mountain like Boston or Milwaukee, but they're not you know. They're not the negative 18, and they're just running downhill like, I, I don't know, the Detroit Pistons, even though the yeah. De- Detroit Pistons are pretty good, or Houston, that's pretty good. That's still They still stink. So Right. You know, I, I'd rather be a team, excuse my language, with, like, some young guys that are at least fun to watch let than me a ask team you this. of, like huh? – Let's end on this. Before Actually, I have one more thing before we end, but let's end the sports on this. Would you rather be in the Lakers situation or where you are with the Knicks? That's a very good question. Here's the thing. If I'm in the Lakers situation, at least I have LeBron James. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. If I was in the same situation, but LeBron James was in a Nick uniform, uh, that would be fun. And, I mean, and that means we'd get Russell Westbrook. Look, Again, I feel like we're going to be here, uh, open up this can of worms. But in the offseason, I was like, hey, Knicks could trade for Russell Westbrook. Let's do it. Why not? Um, there's a guy that, you know, I've gone to bat for time and time again and will continue to do so. I don't know what went wrong. We'll never know what went wrong. What a fall from grace. But at least the Lakers situation is entertaining. The Knicks situation is just frustrating. I cannot believe you went there, but you went there. And I'm not going to say a word on that because I think you're I, – I don't even know where to begin. So let's just – Would it be – am I – I mean, it would be entertaining, right? It would be more fun. It would be more interesting to watch. Yeah, but that's like saying – I can't believe I'm going to make this analogy. You're like a recycling bin compared to a dumpster fire. Like uh, – I... No one uses recycling bins, Joe. That's the thing. That's, That's true. The and, and you know, at least at least homeless people can use you for warmth. But let's let's get to. I, this is a terrible oh, transition. <laughs> Thanksgiving. But let's get to what I want to ask you to end this podcast. It's considering that Thanksgiving was yesterday, what's your go-to Thanksgiving plate? 
list everything or just like my go-to food? No, like when you go, when, when you, it's dinner time, you're lined up and you're ready to go. What's the, what's the first plate look like? So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we, we had a whole burger yesterday. We had, you know, we had the whole turkey and the turkey is the smallest thing on my plate. I am, I am least interested in the turkey. <laughs> it is all about the sides. So it's probably like, like 5% turkey, 10% stuffing and then the rest of it is just an amalgamation of candy yams cranberry sauce um and um biscuits like that's always my go-to but the main event in my house growing up it's always the stuffing it's the santiago bacon stuffing it's what we do oh um and that's that's the main event always so i'm a big stuffing guy how about you i'm i'm a stuffing guy as well um Really quick, because I'm going to give my, my Thanksgiving plate in the next segment, unfortunately. But are you a homemade cranberry sauce or are you a canned cranberry sauce? Oh, give me ocean spray all day, every day. I, I want – I'm opening that can and letting it slide out. Yes. And we, and we got it. Yes. Uh, and, like, I'll eat either from the can, but it, I very much prefer, like, the, you know, like the full, like, discs of cranberry yes, sauce. Yes, Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. And I got to You got to swing that bacon stuffing recipe because that sounds tremendous. Dude, it's a classic. And I, I, I mean, I'm literally uh, it's Black Friday. So I'm going to be, you know, once we're done here, I'm going to be go hitting the stores. I will be stopping at a grocery store. I will be getting rolls. I will be putting my entire Thanksgiving dinner into a pan, making it hot and putting it onto a sandwich. That's what it's all about. <laughs> That's the best part of Thanksgiving is the day after. So because you get to enjoy the food without all your family there. It's great. So that's what it is. All right, Austin. I think that's a good place to end. Tell the people what you got going on, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, as always, good to be back on. And you can find me on Twitter at Air Santi, A-I-R underscore Santi. Instagram, Austin underscore M underscore Santiago. Hell, even hit up my LinkedIn if you want. I'm always trying to like be active on there, um, show off the work that we do over at CBS News. And uh, with that in mind, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. In case I don't see you, have a very Merry Christmas and best of luck in the fantasy playoffs, everyone. Godspeed. Austin, I hope I have you on before, before Christmas, but given the, the world in which both of us have jobs in, um, we'll see. But again, I hope to have you on. As... <laughs> great. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, you know how it goes. I do. Not... I know all too well how it goes. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and BS you. I know you, you know how it goes. So I hope to have you on as the fantasy playoffs go and see how um, see how your fantasy playoffs are going because I am all but clinched in two out of the three leagues. So nine and two in both of family and friends league, my fan, my uh, dynasty league started off great, 4-0. And then lost seven consecutive weeks. So not fantastic. The Cooper Cup injury really torpedoes my my season. But hey, at least I have Justin Fields in that league. So that's something to look forward to. Well, hopefully he plays. <laughs> well, not this week. I, I hope Mike yeah. White scorches earth. But anyway, thank you so much for coming on. All the best to you and yours for Thanksgiving. And I will talk to you soon, man. All right. Talk to you soon, Joe.
Feed Hudson Valley is a regional food rescue and harvesting network in the Hudson Valley operating through Dutchess, Orange, Ulster, Columbia, Green, Putnam, and Sullivan counties. It links donors of prepared but unserved food and fresh produce with nonprofits and food assistant programs. Through an app assisted network of food donors, volunteers, and feeding agencies, Feed Hudson Valley facilitates the harvesting, processing, and distribution of locally grown or produced agricultural products, self-stable food donations, and prepared nutritious foods. The app used is called Chowmatch, and it is easy for volunteers to download and use. Among the donors are restaurants, farms, food makers, stores, hospitals, and universities. The food assistant programs include food pantries, soup kitchens, and shelters. Volunteers are matched through the Chowmatch app when a donation is available. They can indicate that they are available to make a run and then pick it up for a donor and deliver it to the agency. The Feed Hudson Valley Network currently includes over 300 volunteers, 130 donors, and 95 receiving agencies. Last year on average, Feed Hudson Valley rescued and redirected over 12,000 pounds of food each month. Feed Hudson Valley could use more donors and volunteers. To learn more and sign up, visit feedhv.org. Again, that's feedhv.org. One more time, spelled out, F-E-E-D-H-V.org. Now back to the podcast. Joining me now is the creator, the executive producer, the head honcho of the sports hit list, Carl Collage. It's been a while. We are both busy men and, you know, doing what we have to do on our given days. But catching up after the holiday, it's recording this on Friday, November 25th, which is Black Friday, just before 11 o'clock Eastern. And Carl, again, it's been a while. So how are you? How was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was great, man. How are you, man? You know, we've been just busy, staying busy, you know, working on different docs, teaching, living the dream every single day. Doing yeah, what I'm, seeing do. the, I'm seeing the baseball doc. Is is that almost done? Not yet. Not yet. I still got some interviews left to complete. Uh, I've been teasing it a little bit. I got some, I've been, I've been dropping some quick teasers here and there. Um, you know, just a lot of footage. I may drop one today just to play with the people, you know. Can uh, we, but... can we is there like a soft release date, like fall 2023? <laughs> uh, I'm thinking maybe spring, spring, spring 2023. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe okay. May, May, how, May or June. I didn't know how far along you were just because of the teasers that you dropped. I know how you work. Yeah, you yeah. Work. So like I said, uh, all the B-roll is shot. Uh, the interviews is what I need to really get done. I haven't done any interviews yet. Um, so once I get those done, I think I'll have. I'll be in place to, you know, make some magic. So um, I'm, I'm excited for it. And uh, I can't thank Emily enough for continually pushing me to do more documentaries and do, you know, my own thing and have releases for it. And it's been great. Um, you know, no money's been made, but just the fact that I could have an impact on people has definitely, you know, helped a lot. So uh, I'm really proud of the work that my team and I have been able to do in, in documentaries. It's been amazing. That and you hone your craft. If it's anything like the Master Joe documentary, I, I, I'm game for this. <laughs> I'm thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. But when I have you on the line, I have to talk your Celtics, even though it pains me to do it as a net fan. And we're not here to talk about my nets today. That's that's a different story. Um, they, they are down the toilet 
and there's no chance of uh, there's a chance of reviving the season but it's it's very very dark days to be a net fan but your celtics to me in the limited time that i've actually seen them play i've seen them play i want to say three full games and a half they're the best team in the league to me mm-hmm. without a doubt tatum is on like a lebron 2011 revenge path where he says okay i got the taste of the of what the finals is like I want to go back and I want to win the damn thing this time. And no one's stopping me. That's mm-hmm. the Tatum path this year. So for me, I think he's the way too early MVP. I also think the Celtics are without a doubt the the finals pick right now, just based off of their play. What do you say to that? Well, I will say this though. I literally just had this conversation with my brother about 20 minutes ago and we were talking about the MVP <laughs> race. And, you know, he's saying, you know, Luca's prime. The NBA is trying to spoon feed us Luca, 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 Luca. Uh-huh. And we know that's pushing the international. The last four MVPs have been completely international. And my brother's saying they're going to push it because they want more of the European views. And this is what the NBA is, is feeding us. I think Tatum has a a, a dog uh, in this fight that they need to, you know, shift it back to us Americans. You know, we should take it personally that these Europeans are coming in and, and, and stealing our MVPs. <laughs> It's a, it's a personal matter, you know. So I think what is Tatum this, the has the great... where we think the the, 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 yeah. European, the European players are soft, and we're trying to toughen them up a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, not not even just that, but the fact that like the <laughs> NBA is becoming more global, and we see the narrative and how they're pushing it. I think you know Tatum has a fight. I think as long as he stays within the one seed, it's hard to you know. I think the Mavs are the tenth seed. It's hard to give it to him after the after that, you know. So it should go to Tatum. I think the Celtics are playing great, especially after what happened to us over the summer with Ime Udoka. And being able to bounce back, um, and not to mention Robert Williams still hasn't played the game yet. He should be back right. by Christmas. So they look great, and I, I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket. But the only team I honestly fear in the East um, are the 2021 champs, the Bucks, because they still I don't think yeah. they have Chris Middleton just yet. Not yet. That's the that's the only team I honestly fear. Everybody else I'm, I I don't care about, but the Bucks would have to be the only team that's kind of gives me a little bit like oh my god, like we need to be fearful of them. But I like the way we're playing. We're playing great. Our benches are pretty deep. Um, you know, we get in deep with with with, with Hauser hitting some three pointers. Uh, Luke Fournette. Um, you know, there's a lot of different. Uh, Tatum's playing great. Brown's playing great. The chemistry is fine. And you know, I think they league best record, fourteen and four, uh, on the season. And you know, I couldn't be more happy. But I can't cash in all my eggs just yet because you know shit can go south. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. And yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, you're going to break the Warriors record. I'm not, they're not that good of a team. You're not, no, that I don't think we're there. Team. I don't think we're there yet. No, not at all. But I think right now you're better than the Bucks. Giannis, Giannis has the ability to finish top three, I think, in MVP. He's not going to win another one. They're going to lay off a of Giannis for a little bit. But it's interesting that you say that Luca. And the narrative that the NBA could be pushing with the international players, the way that I look at Luca is the same way that a lot of people look at Russell Westbrook when he won his MVP in 17, because his usage rate is off the charts. It's it's even greater than the Russell Westbrook of 2017. And Russ was at like 75% of the offense was run through Russ. It's like 82% of the offense is run through Luca. It's, it is unsustainable, and if he actually does that through a course of a season, 
I'm not going to say that deserves the MVP, but it deserves to be in the MVP conversation the same way that Russ deserved to be in the conversation then. Tatum, if he's the number one seed and the best player on the best team in the East, I I find it foolhardy not to give it to him. But we have a long way to go since the, till then. I think Robert Williams getting back and healthy as a Celtic fan should be your number one priority. Mm-hmm. Because... The Bucks are the same way. They're like, wait till we get Middleton back. You haven't you haven't beat us with in with Middleton in the playoffs yet. Beat us with Middleton. It's the same sort of yeah, that's the, yeah, narrative that, you were pushing last year with your revenge tour. Yeah, that's what like, yeah, I, I think it's a matter of, you know, it's still early on. The Western Conference is completely wide open. I'm not sure where we lie with that. But like I said, I think the Bucks for us are are really where I'm like, okay, the Bucks is where I really need to focus on, in my opinion. I think they're the ones who uh who I really want to make sure we can beat. Full, full, healthy. They're going to be. I think it's going to come down to Milwaukee and Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's what I think it's going to come down to. I do too. Speaking, we'll go a little bit. Speaking of the Western Conference, we'll open it up a little bit. What's your biggest surprise thus far through twenty games of the of the NBA season? Uh the Kings. Honestly, I think the Kings have done a great job. People are saying that they're actually a playoff team. Um, I I believe the Kings to me are probably my biggest. Um, are my biggest surprise. I would say the Kings are, given the fact that they, this team hasn't made the playoffs since I was in high school, um, and <laughs> it's been a while for them. But the Kings have definitely been a surprise, and also Shea Gildas Alexander. He's playing great. Oh, I think he's, he's a he's, he's a dude. He's, yeah, he's 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 putting up numbers, tremendous numbers right now, and and, and I think it's uh, completely awesome. So those would have to be my top two surprises in the league so far to begin the season. Everyone I work with, every time the Jazz are on, I put the Jazz on at work because I'm just appalled at the fu mentality of the of the of the players to Danny Ainge saying oh, you the don't Jazz, think we yeah, can yeah, win, yeah. and we're going to show you. All of them are going to be gone by January. That's <laughs> how it's going to happen? Danny Ainge is just going to take a rocket to that team and blow it up. But they're without a doubt my biggest surprise and i think they're the most entertaining watch on a night tonight just because they can come at you from so many different angles marketing's playing great conley's playing really good um jordan clarkson is playing like the sixth man of the year again even though he's starting in in most games i like sga as a kind of number two but i've loved him and lou dort since dort got to oklahoma city i love that backcourt and the way that they can go Mm mm-hmm Give them another lottery pick along with Chet, and the sky's the limit for that team. But I think my number one surprise, even more so than Utah, is just how flat Golden State has looked this year. Yeah, I think it's a little bit championship fatigue. You know, they 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 have nothing else to prove. They're the champs. They've won, you know, four championships in what, like 10 years or something like that? Yeah, they can't win on the road. They it's can't. Like they I don't think they, they haven't won games. a game. They haven't won a game on the road yet, right? I don't right. Think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people call it championship fatigue. It's there, you know. Like you're gonna, you, 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 you're gonna go through the motions of being, you know, you're the champions, and they're gonna fly under the radar because they're the Warriors. So it's like, all right, they won the championship. There's nothing else for them to prove, um, you know. So I think that's pretty much what it comes down to. I, I just, I'm having a hard time believing because if you go back and check the tape, I didn't believe in the Warriors through that playoff run last year. I was just saying the, the, the shoe's going to drop. 
it's the same guys, but it's not the same. It's just by namesake. They're not, all of them are not the same. Well, I might be right. Just they had, they had a great run. So they might all still be, you know, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, but Steph- they're just a year older. That's the difference is that right. they're a year, they're a year older. So it's like, you know, you have to understand like where they're at. They're a year older than they were before. So that's one thing you have to take into consideration when you're looking at the Warriors is, are they still the same team? I don't think they're the same team anymore. I think, again, they're a year older now. They, so we, we have to take that into consideration. It's weird because it looks like they're a team in transition. Even though they just won the title last year, mm-hmm. the older players are aging out very, very quickly. Draymond, we saw it in the finals. He could give you an energized 15 to 18 minutes and grab you a couple boards but get you two points on the mm-hmm. offensive end. Clay, he's fallen off a cliff. And yes, injuries are, are all stacking up. And I get that. But the young guys, other than Poole, and Poole hasn't been great, but the Kamingas and Wisemans of the world, they haven't really panned out to the extent that they thought they were going to this at this stage of their career. So they're kind of in a transition period where... If Joe Lacob wants to be the the dynasty of ten years, those young players have to step up and step up in a major. Yeah, way. yeah, they have to figure it out. But like I said, they're they're the champions. They're going to fly under the radar. So it's going to be like, all right, we'll see what ends up happening. I mean, we're still only twenty five percent into the season, so I'm not too worried about the Warriors. They could turn it off and on whenever they want to. We've seen that with championship pedigree before, so. That's not one for concern just yet because we're still in November. We're not in December, January yet. I'm not too worried when the Warriors want to turn it on, they can turn it on. Um, I think it's, again, it's just championship lag, honestly. I, I'm i not going to, you know, hit the panic button yet, but there are faint orange lights of concern flashing for me. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I don't know yet. We'll see. I can't, like I said, I can't sit here and say anything yet because they haven't, uh, I, I, not yet. Just not yet. I, I, I get where you're trying to go with it, but I'm not going to put the concern on them just yet. Carl, last thing before I let you go, because it's the day after Thanksgiving and it, that's my favorite holiday. What is your, if you're pulling up to Thanksgiving, what's your, what's your Thanksgiving plate looking like? Your first oh, plate, not, not oh, the my second first, or third. The first plate from last first night. Plate. First plate from last night, we had to have the yams with the marshmallows on it. Uh, mac and cheese from my sister-in-law, which was great. My wife's lasagna. Uh, turkey, um, potato salad. Yeah, I'm about to actually have a, a a dinner date right now or a lunch date with my wife to finish some leftovers. So that's all on my plate right that, now. See, Thanksgiving leftovers are – there's a couple of things I have to say before I let you go. Thanksgiving leftovers, undefeated. <laughs> Two, sure. you get brownie points for having lasagna at your Thanksgiving because <laughs> as an Italian-American, Thank Thank we you. do – Antipast and lasagna about two o'clock. Now I worked all the I worked all day yesterday, so I didn't get to go to Thanksgiving. Shout out to you though. I have my leftovers on Saturday to get to. So we do antipast and and, uh, lasagna about two o'clock, one one thirty, two o'clock, just as Mm -hmm. the um the noon game is going into halftime. Then about six thirty, we have regular Thanksgiving dinner, and then about eight thirty. It's dessert. So it's mm-hmm. a that's why it's I love it so much is just because there's three courses and you go 
just balls to the wall and you're stuffed. You, uh, it's a food coma by 8.30. But it, so big ups to you for having, for having lasagna at your Thanksgiving table. I said it yesterday uh, on the air on when uh, Ty Butler was filling in for the K show. My number one go is my grandmother's sweet potatoes. They are just, I don't know what the hell she puts in them. That They are tremendous. And then the number one ticket item at my family's Thanksgiving, I got to have mashed potatoes. I got to have the canned cranberry sauce. Come at me all you want. That's, I think, the best stuffing, whether it's ham or turkey. I'm going to do that. And I got to have, it's a little weird, but it's turnips. My, my other grandmother makes a little bit of mashed turnips. I'm the only, her and I are the only ones that go for that. But that is that's also on the first place. That's my that's my Thanksgiving plate. Um, that sounds pretty good, man. I can't lie to you. It, it, Thanksgiving. But I, I, the true holiday for me is always Christmas. That's what I really get ready for. That's what I really love. I think Christmas is is a little bit better. I, I hear I hear you. But, you know, I, <laughs> the three things I love, family, sports and, and and food are are all there for me. And that's why yesterday is, I think, the best day of the year. But. Carl, I'll that. let you go on that lunch date. I'll let you get to the leftovers. And appreciate uh, you, man. Listen, man, it's it's always a pleasure. Keep doing your thing with ESPN. You guys are complete inspirations. You guys out here, you know, doing your thing. It's 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 amazing to see. So continue working, man. Continue striving. I would say best. likewise. What you're doing with your brand, with the hit list and everything like that. Keep doing that. And speaking of the hit list, tell the people what you got going on and where they can find you, all that stuff. Just check us out, Sports Hit List. We got content five days a week. Um, like, share, comment, subscribe. The Sports Hit List, Sports HL. Those are our handles. Uh, you can find uh, all of our content anywhere. So just please support the brand. Please do. Really appreciate it. Carl, enjoy, enjoy the leftovers. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right? All right, man. Be well. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes. And luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately 7 minutes. SeaGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, music fans, comedy fans, theater fans, fans of tickets. Use my code GRINDHOUR to get into the building to get yourself a seat. Again, that's code GRINDHOUR at checkout for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. One more time, code GRINDHOUR. That's G-R-I-N-D-H-O-U-R at checkout. Don't have Jack's picks yet. I will probably tweet them out with this podcast so you can get Jack's picks. Jack went 1-3 last week. I went 0-4. After my first 4-0 week, didn't do a victory lap. Felt good, though, but 
immediately shot back down to earth with an 0-4 week last week. Overall, 72-80, and 22-22 on the locks. This week, already cashed in with a backdoor cover with the Giants plus the 10. But the other three for week 12 are Miami giving the 13.5 to Houston. Houston's changing quarterbacks. They don't have a good defense. They are splitting running back carries as well, so they're they're kind of in transition. Miami's a juggernaut on offense. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are going to have an absolute show against the Texans' defense, so I am fine giving the 13.5 there. Next two are two dogs. One doesn't make any sense to me, and that's Tennessee. I'm finally jumping aboard the Tennessee bandwagon with them getting picks, or getting points, excuse me, um, giving Vrabel points against the Cincinnati team who hasn't really found it yet. Jamar Chase is still out. He's a huge part of that offense. They haven't really been the same team since Chase is out, and go go figure, they, they, they shouldn't be because he's that big of a player. But give me Tennessee in the points. I don't know why Tennessee's still giving points. They're going to win that division going away. And... It's a revenge game for Tennessee because of what happened in the postseason so last year. So give me Tennessee and the points. And then I'm going to continue the Monday night trend. I'm going to go back to the well. I think I'm 3-1 this year picking Monday night games as the locks. Give me Pittsburgh and the points. I think Tomlin is just too good of a coach to lose to Jeff Saturday. And that's that's the analysis. That's it. That's the game. So... The three picks, or the three locks, excuse me, for week 12 to get over 500 officially and stay there, hopefully, knock on wood, for the remainder of the year. Miami giving a big number, 13.5. I think that's the biggest number I've picked for the locks. Tennessee giving two, uh, getting 2.5 and, and Pittsburgh getting 2.5 to hopefully go 4-0 yet again. Again, the Giants a backdoor cover. And again, Jack, following a 1-3 week, hopefully he can ride the ship for the remainder of the year. His picks will be out when this podcast is tweeted out. So make sure you follow me over there on Twitter. But those are the locks of the week for week 12 in the NFL. On this side of the coin, at the fake J. Leo on Twitter, j.sports.blogspot.com, and of course, this podcast. If you reach this point, please like, subscribe, share this podcast with anybody who you see fit. If you're new to the show, please download the show. It means more to the show than you know. Huge thanks to 7-Minute Stories, to SeatGeek, and to Feed Hudson Valley for sponsoring today's episode. I hope everyone had a great, great, great Thanksgiving filled with lots of food, lots of football, and of course, lots of family time. Told you I would have a uh, podcast out again Uh, next week. We'll see. We'll definitely have wrapping up, but we'll see where the chips lie with that. But until then, hope you have a great weekend with lots and lots of leftovers. But it's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.